the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And in this new year, we begin a new series called Community. Pastor Sean will encourage you to get plugged in, grow in the Word, meet new people, and be amazed at being a part of the body of Christ. It's time for Real Life Radio. Well, tonight we are going to start talking about the community, which is really what we're about. That's what we are. So I want to ask, first of all, community, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's cold. We're feeling good. We're moving. Well, it is good to see you guys out tonight. And, uh, I just pray the Lord blesses you this year. One of the things that we're going to really focus on this year is trying to help every person who's a part of our fellowship take big steps in growth and in strengthening our spiritual maturity. And so I want to challenge you, before we even get started with a message, I want to challenge you to be a person who says, you know what, I'm going to step up and be about prayer and the Word this year. I want to challenge you to a very simple practice, a daily time just in the Word of God. And it doesn't have to be some huge, lengthy thing. Uh, We have a Bible reading plan, right, at reallife.org. If you go to reallife.org, go to Real Life News, you can find the Bible reading plan there, and it's a chapter a day. It's a chapter a day. Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about the Bible reading method that we use called REAP. Read, examine, apply, and pray. I want to challenge you just to take a chapter a day, at least. And maybe some of you want to do more. You do the one-year Bible. That is awesome. But just as a baseline to say, you know what? I'm going to spend time and I'm going to grow in the Word. There is nothing I could tell you that would help you grow more than uh, than prayer and the Word. Talking to the Lord each day and just taking and going through His Word. You'd be amazed how God will bring that word to mind throughout the day, how he'll speak to you, how he'll give life and direction to your spiritual journey. You want to be a person who really grows and starts to sense a difference because of the Lord's presence? Be a person who's about connecting with him every day in prayer and the word. So that's my little Pastor Nag note for the night. Write that down. And we'll get into this idea of the community. See, this word church that we throw around, it actually really means the, the word that it comes from in the Greek, ecclesia. It really is the bigger picture of a community, the citizens of a community. And my question for us as we, as we kind of enter into 2015 is, what are we doing here? Why does this matter? What really are we as we look at being a community? And, and what is it that we actually do together? Because I got to tell you, if you read online, if you listen and pay attention to pop culture and media, the church, as far as does it have any relevance at all, is absolutely under assault. So what is this thing that we're a part of? And what does it mean to say that we're really a community? Are we? 
How are we doing in that? This became unbelievably real in my life in 1991. I had been a youth pastor in Southern California, and the Lord began to call me to start a ministry called Real Life Ministries. And he didn't give me the whole picture. He didn't give me a blueprint. He didn't give me five easy steps. Okay? He said, I want you to step out and I want you to follow me differently in ministry. And it was exciting. It was awesome. This whole idea of real life. It was something that I was totally into and I felt like God was going to do something and I didn't know what the end result was going to look like, but I knew that God was in it. And so I was fired up and excited. And as we walked, we saw there were some things that were very different than anything else that God had asked us to do before. The way he wanted us to do ministry, some of the things he wanted to emphasize that were different. But I was excited because I liked different. The problem is, some of the people around me didn't like different as much. And they didn't understand it. It's one of those things where even people in the church that we were attending, family, friends, people who loved us and were an encouragement on many levels, they didn't understand. And so there were limitations as to how much they could really support and even be involved. And I have to tell you, Lori and I went through a season in the starting of this that we felt very alone. I mean, we really did. We felt alone. And I learned a simple reality. It is possible to be surrounded by people and to be lonely. You know that? It's possible to be surrounded by people, have people all around you, and be very much alone. And I learned that a crowd is not a community. A crowd is not a community. Well, about that time we were back here in San Antonio, the Lord allowed us to begin to meet some people. The first were Willie and Rachel Mayfield, and we shared with them, and we became friends with them through ministry, working together with Youth for Christ. And it turns out God had put some very similar things on our heart, and he prepared our hearts, and we immediately just became friends and began to walk together. And they became a part of this real-life ministry. They were the first folks who joined on with us to kind of say, hey, we'll be a regular part of this ministry. Some other folks you may know, Bruce and Deborah Witter, Joe and Debbie Williman. There were others, there were some family members, or people who kind of connected and said, you know what, we're going to become a part of this community. And that is, I got to tell you, that was one of the coolest times. I still look back at that time. It was hard. Okay, it was really hard. There were times when, when you know, we were doing ministry, times when we really needed, there was so much to do that we needed to actually put full time towards it, but we weren't getting paid. And God was asking us to walk a walk of faith. And it was something that, again, friends, family, people around, they didn't necessarily understand. But it was so cool because we weren't alone. There were times that, Friends and family who loved us and cared about us said to us, um, <clears throat> this looks really hard. Is, are you sure God's in this? This looks really difficult. Is, is, is there a point when you should quit? I mean, have you done this long enough? Should you go get like a real job? Sean, why don't you want a real job? It was a real job. It just wasn't a real paycheck. So that's, I think, an important distinction. <laughs> But it's funny, none of the people who were committed to that community ever asked that question. They knew, because God had called them, they knew because we had that common bond, and they knew it was worth it. There was a oneness and a commitment that these folks became in the spirit like family. And I have to tell you, I look back at that as one of the favorite seasons in my ministry. Just that time, God did so many cool things. There was such a connection, such a sense of in the trenches together. It was awesome. 
Let me ask you something. Have you ever had that feeling of feeling alone in a crowd? Maybe even at the church. You ever longed for real connection? Okay, I'm not talking about, okay, we have a couple things in common. I'm talking about that point of saying we're in this thing together. We pursue that longing. I think we all experience it. We pursue it in a lot of different ways. Some healthy, some not so much. You know, as long as we can be in the club and we try to find some place to say I belong. I think sometimes in, in being a sports fan, okay, and we're at a really high time of the year right now, okay, it's playoffs, it's college football, wrap-up, it's all, all that stuff. So being a sports fan is kind of a big point of identity. And it's wonderful until your team starts losing and badly. You know, like we Chicago Bears fans have had, had to deal with. It's horrible, horrible. Or maybe your team moves. How horrible is that? You're, and then the owner and the management decides the team needs to move. Or maybe worse, your team is bought by Jerry Jones. How would that feel? Ooh, it's horrible. I mean, those things can kind of break down. Some people try to go out and find spots that are designed to be carried. They end up going to nightclubs, they end up partying, they end up going kind of traveling just because they want to be around people. Maybe we throw ourselves into our kids' sports. I've seen people get so involved, and that becomes their world, that becomes their community, their life, but the problem is the kids grow up, and then it's over. Maybe we get really serious about hobbies, but then at the end of the day, they're just hobbies. You know, one of the things you see as you watch news reports, you see young men in gangs, you go, what were they thinking? Why are they part of gangs? Because in the world they live in, that's a point of connection. And even though it's unhealthy, even though it's dangerous, even though they probably, any one of them you ask, if there was a different type that where they could have that camaraderie and that sense of connection, protection and safety, they would take it. But the fact is, it's what they have. Talk to a number of different men who served in the military and come back and share in, about combat. And how one of the things they miss about their military service is that sense of connection and that sense of being in the mission together with a group of guys in the trenches. You know, it was dangerous. Your life was at risk. That sense of connection. See, something in us calls for a deeper connection. We look, we want a place in meaningful community where I matter, where people know me, where, where I'm a part of this. And many of us will pursue that our entire lives. Others, unfortunately, will just give up and make their peace with loneliness and isolation. And I want to just say to you tonight, that is not what God designed. God knew. God created us with this longing and this desire for connection and community. And he had a plan. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And this book is such an incredible epistle because Paul talks about what God is doing. He breaks down what this whole thing is really about. And in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, he talks about this sense of division that causes this loneliness. He says, beginning at verse 14, he's talking about Jesus. He said, he himself is our peace, who's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Because this church was made up of Jews and of Gentiles. They're talking about the people who were the people of God and the people who never had any hope of being the people of God. But now, because of Christ Jesus, they could become part of this group, this community of Jesus. But there was this dividing wall of hostility. And Jesus destroyed that by setting aside in his flesh the law, its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making, listen to this, peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death 
their hostility, bringing us together. Verse 17, he came and he preached peace to you who are far away, peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father, but by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together. So he's saying it's happening all over. But he's saying you specifically, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What Paul's telling us is there's something broken. Sin, not only did sin separate us from God and, cre- and, and separate us from our destiny and our eternal life that is supposed to be ours in Him, but sin creates a barrier and a division between one another. Whenever we find a point of division, I don't care what it is, I don't care if it's racism, I don't care if it's class warfare, I don't care if it's family feuds, whatever it is, there's sin at the root of it. That's what sin does. Sin always kills and it always divides and it causes this breakdown. And what Paul is telling us is that there is this problem of sin. And in Jesus Christ, he made a way and he is fixing something that was broken. The barrier, he used the, the phrase, the dividing wall of hostility. He said, you were foreigners and strangers. There was this sense of us and them. We live, we walk through life with this sense of us and them. And what Paul is saying is God is doing something different. He's building a community where there's not going to be any us and them. Where it's just us. We're all one in him. And we want to take a quick break to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Community. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you think you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message on community. This is Real Life Radio. Verse 15 said, he's making peace through this new community. Now I want you to notice in Ephesians there, in Ephesians 2 passage, Paul referenced three metaphors that actually are used multiple times in the New Testament for this new community. The first was a body. Talking about how the two would be made into one body. The second was a family. He said, you're members of God's household. He used the metaphor of a family. And the third was a building. You're being built together. And every one of these metaphors teach us something unique about this community, this amazing thing that God is doing. And so over the next three weeks, tonight and the next two weeks, I want to look at each of these metaphors, and I want to break them down a little bit and, tell, and look at what they teach us about this community. 
Because, folks, I got to tell you, when I talk about church sometimes to people, I, I, I kind of don't open the conversation w- with people when I just run into people who kind of aren't church people out in the community. Hey, I'm Sean. I'm a pastor. Come to church. Oh, nice to meet you. What's your name? You know, I don't do, I, don't, I really don't do that because quite, quite frankly, people, you start talking about church and they get this glazed over. Oh God. Oh God. Because they don't understand what the church is. To them, the church is a service, or the church is a building, or the church is a bunch of rules, or the church is the people who treated me really badly. There's this brokenness when it comes to... And they do not think of that community that I've longed for my whole life. That sense of, of belonging. A place where I'm really loved and where I can love. Because of brokenness that's existed in the church. I just want to say, we're going to look at these metaphors because... God has something better. God wants the community to be a place that is unbelievable blessing. Now tonight, we want to look at the first one. It's this idea of a body. And this is one of the most repeated metaphors for the Christian community. In 1 Corinthians 12, you want to flip over there in your copy of the scriptures, Paul expounds on this idea of the body. Okay, he breaks it down. He goes to great lengths, actually, talking about the body. He begins a conversation talking about gifts of the Spirit. And he's talking about gifts of the Spirit. God gives everyone gifts. He doesn't give everyone all the gifts. And he distributes them as he desires. So he talks about gifts. But then he gets to the core. And he says in verse 11, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all as many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Listen to this language. For all we who are baptized by one Spirit... So as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Same spirit. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if a foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And it's almost as though if, if we were saying today, we go, would it? He's almost wanting us to go, well, well yeah. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, It wouldn't, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, treated with special modesty or special care and protection. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no, listen to this, no division in the body. There should be no division in the body. Say that with me. There should be no division in the body. That's his heart, that's his desire, this community of oneness but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. I love that phrase. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. It's a powerful illustration. It's an appropriate illustration. But but Paul actually, notice in some of this, he's getting a little bit silly or sarcastic. He's really, actually, if you stop and think about it, a little bit insulting to the intelligence of his listeners. But the problem is, they don't get it. 
And I'm sorry to say, we don't get it. Any little kid who has one of these guys would get it. I mean, wouldn't they? You know my dear friend, Mr. Potato Head. The Apostle Paul is wanting to kind of go and say, look, here's the deal. All these little parts, they're not the body. They're part of the body. And this doesn't work. Okay? And any little kid knows. Rylan, my granddaughter, can tell you. Okay? The eye-ear thing, that's just weird. Okay? That's bizarre and, and it's a little disturbing. Okay? This is even worse. How about that? How about that? He's saying, you know, this is... Anybody knows that's like a freak show you don't want to be a part of. But he's saying that's the way you are when you say, well, if I'm not this part, then... Well, I want to be that part. I don't like the part that I am. Well, I'm just going to go off by myself. Everybody knows that it's a plastic ear. It doesn't work that way. By yourself, you're just a plastic ear. That's all you are. And the parts of the body, what Paul is talking about, obviously to us, you break away, you die. Mr. Potato Head, at least a plastic ear can survive by itself until you get a new puppy. Okay, I think I've said enough. I don't want to scare the children. Any little kid could kind of, these are basic principles, but the problem is people aren't getting it. They're not understanding. I like Mr. Potato Head. I played with him a little bit last night. I didn't want to know that. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying it's obvious to anyone who knows anything. Please. What's interesting in this passage is Paul started with the gifts. Because, you know, that's what they wanted to talk about. Okay? They wanted to talk about the gifts. But he transitioned to division, separation, and exclusion. Which is what they needed to hear. The gifts are what they wanted to hear. They loved the gifts. Man, they were into the gifts. The Corinthian church was really into the gifts. Exalting some and kind of others that weren't so special, kind of pushing them in the back. And they wanted to talk about the gifts. They wanted to hear But what they needed to hear was about division, separation, and exclusion. Because they had turned the gifts into an opportunity for division. And folks, we do the same. We do the same in the church. We will find the most crazy things to divide over. And the scripture just said there should be no division in the body. But over gifts, maybe we we can find ways to divide over gifts. Liberties. Liberties, it's okay to do this. Oh, you can do that. Oh, I can't. I think you're going to hell because you do that. But the Bible doesn't say I'm going to hell because I do that. But it doesn't matter what the Bible says. I'm telling you. Theology. Make that a dividing line. And I'm talking about people who believe the essentials. We understand. We believe in Christ. We believe in His church. We believe in the essentials. But then little pieces of theology that we see differently. Well, if you see it differently, I don't want any part of you. I'm going to go on on my own. I got a solo gig going here. Legalism, politics, style of worship, color of church chairs. That's important there. I shouldn't have mentioned that, but because that really is important. Here's a question for us. What is it in what is it within us that wants to draw lines of separation? Because something in the sin nature wants to do that. And we see it all the time. Something that says, oh, if you, my theology is better than yours, so I'm better than you, and I'm a little bit elevated, and you're a little bit debased. I have this gift, and therefore I'm up here. You have that gift. Well, that's nice and all. 
something in us. And this brokenness, the fact that we don't understand what any little kid with Mr. Potato Head can understand, creates loneliness, emptiness, and this feeling that something's missing. There are people in churches all over this country who are like, why am I doing this? Because they're doing church, they're not doing community. People checking out, saying they're done. This is actually like a big deal. I get all kinds of leadership articles and I read several leadership periodicals talking about people who have checked out of church. People who were, they say, some of the, some of the best. Some, they were in, committed. They were involved. But something's happening. You know, we talk about the nuns. Those are people who have no religious background and, and the church has to figure out how to talk to and how to, how to share the good news of the gospel with the nuns. Okay, people have no religious background. So we have no common language. So we have, that's a challenge that we need to address. But this new group they're calling the duns. There are people who have said no more. I'm tired of it. I don't want any more. And they just go away. Something's broken. Something's happening. And here's the deal. You may say that you're done with the church. And obviously I don't mean you because you're like right here. Okay? So I get it. Or maybe some of you are even considering that. I don't know. But some may say we're done with the church. We, we, we still want to be Christians. We still want to be followers of Jesus. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that God says something different. If you're taking notes, then I want you to write this down. Because what Paul is saying is crystal clear. Living without community is like living without a body. Living without community is like living without a body. It's Mr. Potato Head's nose without Mr. Potato Head. Okay? That's it. There's the body. And there's that person who wants to live. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Community. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're always invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.